0: i'm kurt and you're listening to Cat and kurt's tv review welcome to episode 173 not all good deeds and happy endings this week we're discussing season 3 episode 12 of angel provider and season 2 episode 14 of battlestar galactica black market
1: as always we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right. Well, we're just getting started. I can already hear my voice going, so this should be fun.
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> so excuse me if I clear my throat a lot. Um. So all right. We're starting with Angel uh, Provider. Um, so kind of wanted to start with the situation. Um... And, uh, I mean, didn't really plan to talk about the title in depth, really, but, um, you know, because I think it's fairly straightforward, but, you know, uh, playing to this notion of uh, the responsibility that Angel has now to provide, you know. So, I mean, they've always kind of struggled to make ends meet and find the balance between the mission and you know feeding themselves and paying rent um you know because the mission tends to be kind of a pro bono thing um so it's not really always easy to sort of make a living um but now they've got you know this new baby to to care for um mm-hmm. and not only care for in the immediate you know sense but also you know long-term sort of planning so Angel's suddenly very preoccupied by, like, college funds and um, long-term investments and these sorts of things. Um, So that's kind of uh, where he's at. As he says, you know, uh, he keeps adding new things to the number one priorities. So it's, you know, helping the helpless, fighting halts, and making money are our three number one priorities. So it kind of reminds me of, like, Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, you know. Like, we have, <laughs> we have, we have two main. No, three, three. Like, you know how just the list keeps getting longer. Um. So, yeah, so kind of interesting to see Angel as the kind of one who's obsessed with the money, and Cordy as the one who's now the voice of the mission and. Reminding sure. him to stay on, you know, stay on mission. Because that's quite a reversal from where they started. Um, yeah. You know. and Yeah,
0: Cordy was all about the money in the early days, right?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and she's still, she doesn't mind the money. You know, like no. she kind of celebrates when they get their, you know, 50,000 and, uh, you know, she's certainly happy to sort of collect at the end and everything. But, um, you know, increasingly with the visions, obviously, she's has more and more a sense of her sort of moral responsibility of what their job is and, mm-hmm. you know, what the powers that be want them to be doing. Um, And now, I guess, even more so that she has, you know, kind of renewed that sense of her own part to play, you know, like she's had the visions, but it was kind of a, a side effect of, you know, of Doyle. But now that she's kind of owned and reclaimed the visions and, you know, now that they've kind of made them a part of her you know, in a way that isn't just sort of tacked on, but is, you know, physically a part of her now. She has, Mm. you know, even more of a sense of, you know, what they, where their priorities should be. Um, Sure. So, yeah, that's kind of interesting to see. But but Angel, obviously, is uh, having a hard time kind of, you know, thinking of anything else. Even Holtz kind of is slightly bumped down to, you know, his his kind of mortal enemy who's out to kill him is now kind of a second tier priority after, you know, mm-hmm. taking care of the baby. Um,
0: yeah, and I mean, to be honest, Holtz hasn't exactly been around, right, the last right. couple of episodes. So right. it's <laughs> not like he's forefront of their mind. Right.
1: So... Yeah, so now they're kind of aggressively in the kind of, you know, uh, pushing the, the business aspect of what they're doing. So they're putting up, you know, their first website, you know, and making flyers which have, you know, the wrong phone numbers on them and, um, yeah. you know, doing all that stuff. But, you know, so after, you know, a couple of days, all the phones start, you know, ringing off the hook and... um you know, kind of what happens is that they get so distracted by it. It's not that any one of these missions are wrong, right? It's not like they're taking on completely irrelevant cases, but they get into the situation where they're all going in separate directions, trying to sort of cover as much ground as possible. Um, so, you know, you have them sort of splitting up, you know, individually or into teams, which is always a good, always a good decision.
0: <laughs> right. Especially, right, in a Whedon production. Yeah, yeah. When people split up, things always go well.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's it's not really a good sign. Um, And then on top of that, too, again, it's not that any one of these... Cases is wrong, but you do get the sense that they're favoring people who uh, have a certain, you know, money, you know, monetary ability to, you know, compensate them well. Right. Um, So, you know.
0: Like even Cordy, who's the voice of the mission, (laughs) says that she did a credit check, right, on the the woman. Right. Uh, On Allie, is it?
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah right so you know you kind of have to wonder all right not we can't really criticize any singular choice that they're making but what what cases are getting you know are falling through the cracks as they're kind of focusing on who are the biggest paying clients um or mm-hmm. the clients who can pay it all um you know cuz occasionally that's part of the mission is Helpless sometimes means unable to pay or, you know, in kind of dire streets. And it's something you have to do just, you know, just because it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, so maybe kind of choosing cases for slightly the wrong reasons. And then, as they say, kind of spreading themselves too thin. You know, they start to split up and go off in different directions. Um, so... Let's start with Angel, um, who uh, takes the case of this guy who uh, calls himself Harlan initially. um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. Uh, Kind of an interesting week to have him pop up in. uh, Sure. As he's uh, murdering folk with his baseball bat at
0: the moment. With Lucille. <clears throat>
1: yeah. yeah. Um,
0: um, and He's
1: been in many other things, obviously, but that's the the freshest, I guess.
0: Right. Well, literally, because uh, so we're recording this on Tuesday and, you know, two days ago was was the Walking Dead season seven premiere. So very much uh, a prominent <laughs> actor uh, and and. Playing a much-loathed character, and as, you know, sometimes happens, some of that loathing may drip onto the actor himself right? in some people's minds. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously he's been in a lot of stuff, but yeah, like, it's, it's hard to, like, hear his name and not think immediately of The Walking Dead in this particular week, if yeah. not time <clears throat> period in general.
1: Right. Maybe for the rest of his career, but... <laughs> yeah certainly at the moment that's definitely what's kind of in the headlines um
0: but yeah but he, i and to be honest i mean i don't even know like he's one of those he, he's one of those guys right like i i right. know i've seen him in a time and probably a bunch of stuff but like i couldn't even tell you off the top of my head except for walking dead obviously like what what else i've seen sure. him in sure well he
1: was in the Watchmen, wasn't he in the movie version of of the okay. watchman um, and, uh, he had a fairly prominent part, uh, in the early seasons of Grey's Anatomy when I used to watch Grey's Anatomy. That show's been going on even mm-hmm. longer than The Walking Dead, so, uh, but I haven't, I haven't watched in forever, but, you know, he, you know, had, like, a recurring role in that, was which was pretty memorable. So those would be the two things that I sort of primarily remember him for. I'm sure I've seen him in other things, but, um... But yeah, I mean, he's pretty versatile. Like, I don't think any of those roles are really much alike. So, you know, here, it's certainly not anything like what he's doing in The Walking Dead. Like, you know, he's, uh, you know, kind of a businessman, you know, very sort of, you know, in his suit and kind of seems like just a normal, you know, normal kind of guy, Um, you know, comes to Angel and, you know, does his little... uh, song and dance about you know his uh uh well he doesn't talk about his friend first he kind of says he knows a guy that was killed by vampires he doesn't really say what their relationship was um but now there's this nest of them and then they're kind of extorting him you know for this money and he's gonna pay angel more money to get rid of them and and this this is this is the story yeah sorry so what were you gonna
0: no i like you since you brought up the relationship aspect, I mean it is kind of curious, like they don't he never says the relationship. I think angel says you know, like you know your friend or whatever, like that right. like there's sort of an assumption about the relationship, but you right. gotta wonder, like this seems a little yeah a little more than just like casual friends, even like coworkers or. Yeah. Even drinking buddies. Like, like I, I mean, it, it seems almost like partner.
1: Yeah, level. I think so, I too. That sorry. was, especially like, yeah, you're not going to, you know, maybe you do. But, you know, things like giving each other nice watches and stuff, that yeah. seems like.
0: Well, and it's not know. even like that nice of it, right? It's like, a time, it's like a glow-in-the-dark Timex <clears throat> right? watch. Right. Like, you know, so it's clearly purely sentimental value.
1: Well and, and and now that I and, didn't think about it go and ahead.
0: And when he sorry and when Angel says like oh I bet it's worth more than $10,000 and he's like oh yeah and then like you find out like it's this really it's this kind of cheapo whatever right. watch like you 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 know that it's priceless to him and right. it's something that he gave he said it's the first thing I ever gave him implying of course that there's more things right. that he gave him and and you know that there's it marked a special occasion of some type, you know,
1: right. And Um, perhaps
0: one of many special occasions. So
1: yeah, that that's actually the point I was going to make was it's not even the watch itself as a gift. It's the, it's the line about, it was the first thing I ever bought him, which sounds, you know, more, more intimate than, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, you know and so and the thing
0: you know the thing that makes me i kind of was as i was thinking about it i was thinking i wouldn't even be thinking so much about it except that they never clarify that and i wonder like why that is like if it's just like maybe they did and it just got it was a scene that got cut for like time or whatever like maybe maybe there is like a deleted scene in which he says like oh he was my partner or whatever or maybe they just didn't feel the need to even explicate you know at all or whatever well it's just kind of funny i just found i i found myself thinking about it because they don't clarify what it is rather than i think if they had you you know if they come out and just said oh it's his lover or it's his business partner it's his whatever whoever you know right it does
1: seem suspiciously kind of undefined you know Which usually what that means is it's intentionally undefined and like kind of euphemistic, you know, Um, which is funny because on the one hand, it's like, well, you know, you've had Willow and Tara, you know, together for a year or two over in Buffy. Why wouldn't, if they want to have a gay couple, why wouldn't they just come out and say it? But then you kind of think and you go, well, Willow and Tara, even though it's still under the Whedon umbrella they're still fairly atypical for what is being done in TV in general, like being that open about it, you know, like, and so it's kind of funny. You think like, even in, even in a show run by basically the same people, um, do they still feel like they have to sort of dance around the topic a bit? Like if, Mm -hmm. unless they really decide, okay, we're just going to go for it and, have it you know really prominent there's still a kind of feeling of we can imply but we don't really want to outright sort of state and go there um so yeah I mean I could see I could see that being sort of the reason but yeah you're right the fact that they don't ever really say one way or the other does seem to imply that you know that that's kind of intentionally leaving something out. Um, yeah. I mean, not to mention the fact of how uh, driven he is by this sort of revenge mission. Um, right. Which isn't and- exclusive to, you know, to lovers or anything, but, you know, right. that right. with these other factors, it gives it that flavor of this was somebody, you know, Extremely special that the loss just sort of, you know, took over his life and he can't, you know, he he goes to all these extremes and he can't stop until, you know, these vampires are taken care of. Um, But it's all kind of a ruse, right? Because the reason he has to, you know, go to all the all this trouble is that he doesn't actually have any of the money that he says he does he's like stolen his boss's like name and is kind of tricking angel into you know uh you know doing the job that um you know if he'd come with this mission probably eventually angel and the others would have helped him anyway but you know he kind of feels like well they want to see the money so i've got to put that up and so you know uh
0: which is kind of true at this right. particular moment certainly the way angel
1: <laughs> acts in this episode he makes that right. truly like, where he like refuses to even like hold the door you know until they've had their sort right, of right, right. money negotiating discussion um well <clears throat> and, and angel complains about like all the all the overhead and the extra sort of time and effort that goes into being a champion that nobody ever compensates or thanks him for. And, you know, but he still does it in the end. He just right. kind of. Complains well, and about it's,
0: it. it's funny too. Cause like, you know, when Angel goes back to the office and, you know, it's the real, uh, Harlan guy. Right. And, you know, he mentions like, Oh, Sam's kooky thing <coughs> with the, you know, vampire nest and treasure. And, you know, Angel perks up at treasure. But then he goes back and, like, like he had noticed the trophies that had been taken before but hadn't considered, like, those as treasure. And, like, that's basically what the watch ends up being, too, right? It's, like, just some something they just took from the body of someone they killed. Like, it's not, you know actual treasure Um, but angel just storms out like not even like trying to find and see if like oh are these like vampires hoarding any money or anything Mm -hmm. so like even after he goes through like the trouble um you know of dusting the vampires and and you know saving ultimately harlan and all of that it's like he just sort of leaves like by that point because I think at that point he realized you know that's when it's in that sort of crucible moment right that he sort of realizes like, oh yeah, this whole focus on money is <clears throat> not not really the right way to go, right um and then he kind of loses it again when he sees the fifty thousand dollars in the case
1: right, right. later
0: but Anyway, at least in that moment he's not thinking like, okay, well I might as well ransack the place now that I've killed all the vans. Right. Yep. For for whatever that's for. Sure. Um,
1: yeah, well, okay. I don't think I have much more to say about that plot, so... Sure. Uh. West yeah, I movie- feel like
0: Sorry, I was just gonna say, like, just in general, like the the structure of the episode, like we do get sort of three different plots, and so there is there is some complexity, just kind because of, you're kind of going back and forth between them. But yeah. like individually, they're each pretty straightforward. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't feel like any of them are that in depth once you. And and that's maybe kind of the point because like like we were saying before, like they stretch themselves. So thin, they can't, they're not really, it's not about getting like deep into the character background and story. Right. Like it's not like angels not sitting there. Like, like when they're, you know, hold up, you know, against the vampires angels, not like, so tell me your backstory. Like what, you know, what about you and your buddy? Like, you know, we're not getting like deep into character moments here. It's, all pretty surface level in each of the cases. So right um, for, yeah, you know, just to, again, like there is a seeming bit of complexity just because we're seeing it, you know, we're sort of jumping back and forth between each different one, but individually they're not all that complex. Right, right.
1: Right. Which also might reflect the kind of more straightforward business side to it of, you know, like these aren't, these aren't quests that they're going on. They're like services that that are being provided, That that's kind of how Angel frames it as I'm providing a service for, you know, for compensation and this is how it goes. Um, You know, so... uh, None of them are especially deep or they're not, like, mysterious anything. It's sort of like, you know, for Angel, it's like something simple. Go and take care of, you know, a bunch of vampires that have a lair that's, like, business as usual. You can't get more average day for Angel than that. Um, And then I guess to move on to... uh,
0: it's the paranormal detective equivalent <clears throat> of fast food, you know. Just yeah, yeah. Slap, slap a bun around it and give right. it to the customer.
1: Right, and he can, and he can complain about it as he's doing it. That's how. Right. Uh, that's how easy it is. Is he can do it blindfolded, like you know, like he, uh, he doesn't as how good fast to,
0: food workers do. <laughs> yeah, he
1: doesn't. He, he can. He can. He doesn't really have to concentrate to do the job. Um, it's just a second nature at this point. Um, and same thing with Wesley and Gunn, who, again, they're not really investigating any, it's like angel investigations. They're not investigating anything. They're providing a service, which is okay. This lady's being stalked by her zombie ex. So, you know, uh, protect her and beat him up when he comes around, you know, send him a message. Right. Um, right
0: yeah they know they know the problem already they're just muscle at that point
1: right right yeah they're hired they're hired muscle um so yeah i mean some of that's kind of funny the fact that you know she uh his his clinginess in life is translated to his clinginess you know in death that like he can't even rest he has to sort of come back out of his grave to, to stalk her. That's how clingy he is. But the fact that she turned out to be the one who poisoned him. And so they're this kind of dysfunctional couple and, you know, he pouts when he can't like, they're, they're kind of, they're kind of funny, but again, it doesn't get to anything much more complex than that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Other than, uh, you know, Kind of separate from that, the little moments of Wesley and Gunn starting to have this rivalry uh, about Fred. Um, Which I feel like each of them have had separate hints about that in the past. But this is the first time they're kind of being overtly acknowledged, certainly by each other. Um, You know, uh, so... There's that I mean that obviously doesn't go anywhere yet. We'll have to wait and see where yeah. that goes.
0: Um. Yeah. So just even thinking about like again, like the lack of backstory with Ally and Brian. Like you have like mm-hmm. we we only have a handful of zombie incidents in, you know, the Buffyverse, right? Like I don't think we've had any in Angel so far uh like this is the first one but you know you have dead man's party you know where Mm -hmm. joyce has the mask and it kind of calls a bunch of people and then you have the zeppo right Mm -hmm. where you have whatever i don't know like there's that like frankenstein-esque episode right which i guess could be sort of like you can consider that a zombie maybe but like other than those like i don't Oh, no, I guess uh, a thin blue line, right? You have the zombie cops. Uh, So all of those, though, like you get an explanation, usually some sort of ritualistic magic, you know, like you get the mask, you get the, you know, uh, in the thin blue line, you get like the, the captain who's like got a shrine with like, a cult or voodoo or whatever you know stuff there and and like you know each of those you kind of have like mm-hmm. an explanation at least something of a little backstory and again but again like you don't get like okay like we find out that she poisoned him but like like poisoning itself doesn't create a zombie like like right. there's there's no like rationale or reason or real you know explanation as to why this is happening Um, so again, like, it's just kind of like, your very basic, you know, storyline with little to no investigation and, and they don't care. Like, again, at the end, it's like, so will that be cash or credit? Like, you know, this is, and especially once they realize like, all right, this isn't even going anywhere. Like, ultimately they didn't really do anything. Right. Even. But, you know, hey, they were there and, you know they you you know spent there it's kind of like it, it's kind it is kind of like that you know again that sort of you know hourly wage sort of mentality of some people i don't mean to imply that everyone's like this necessarily but like sure. you know just that hourly wage mentality of like okay if you want to pay me to sit in a chair or to you know do whatever then right. that's what i'll do right you i know, showed up so as long yeah, as yeah. long as i get my <clears throat> money at the end you know um and that's kind of that's kind of where they take it as well, right?
1: So, I guess finally, then we get uh, Fred and uh, Lorne, who I think I looked this up. I don't really know how to pronounce it, but the the Nadras, I guess, are these sort of sure. you know monk type guys. Kind of, I don't know if they're demons or what they are exactly. They're all they covered. They
0: seem to be some kind of creature. Mm-hmm. Or they're something, all maybe. covered
1: in hoods and robes, and, you know, it's sure. kind of a little hard to.
0: They do a lot of clicking.
1: Yeah, they have a kind of clicky language, um, which Lauren uh, translates, which um, he even translates a little better than. He realizes because he keeps making right, right, apolo- right. he keeps making apologies for the poor translation, but you realize that his first translation was the most accurate. When he says they want to buy Wesley's head, and then he kind of clarifies and he's like, "Well, no, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. I think they mean like your mind. They want your intelligence. They want you mm-hmm. to solve a puzzle." Um, but right, no, he's
0: they, which they is funny because that's how like that is how like language works sometimes too like when you when it you know like idiomatic language right. you know you hear like phrases of other languages and when you know you know like when you know you're taking spanish or latin or something like you know the literal translation right. and then you get like the explanation and you say oh okay i can see how like sort of metaphorically or you know whatever yeah. that makes sense but it's yeah like Right, I and I can't even think of a good example off the top of my head. Um, oh, off well, the top of my head, there you there, go. You like know. like that kind of thing. Like yeah. like it's not literally off the top of my head. It's just right. You know, that's the that's the thing that you say, and it means a particular. It has right. a particular meaning, and so Lauren is sort of reading into it that kind of idiomatic metaphor. Right, <laughs> when in fact. Right. It's a literal. The, it's not yeah. <laughs> an idiomatic metaphor. <laughs> right.
1: Right. So they come looking for and they and what further besides misunderstandings in translation they're further sort of blinded by the large amount of cash that they bring with them. You know yeah. so right. any any hesitations they might have had go out the window as soon as they see the briefcase you know uh, full of $50,000 and everything.
0: I mean, they don't get into sort of explicit, but you can you can see them, you, you know, he, you can almost just imagine, you know, Angel and team like, like, oh, okay, they're talking about like, this is a puzzle for their prince. So like, like, that's why they're willing to pay $50,000 just because it's it's for royalty. Right. Like, like, oh yeah, they throw money away at anything and everything. Like, they're not going to, question, like, why would someone pay $50,000 for me to solve a puzzle? Like, right. oh, it's because it's, it's royalty, they're rich, and don't really care what they spend their money on.
1: Right, right. Right, so they come looking for Wesley initially, um, and then switch over to Fred, because she notices the kind of pattern on their robes, and starts talking about geometry and complex mathematical ideas and you know they get very excited and everything
0: sure. um,
1: so yeah so Fred gets to go with them and uh, and Lauren goes to translate um, and uh, yeah things go awry um, <laughs> she solves the puzzle obviously it's you know uh, you know they kind of she does the thing of, uh, are we talking uh, about a closed curve, a finite length in a simple connected domain of zero? Huh, that would be too easy. You know, so she's like,
0: <laughs> you know,
1: working on a whole other level than everybody else. Um, so, um, you know, inevitably, of course, she she solves the puzzle. and uh, And I guess that means she's sort of worthy of, you know, being the new, head, um, right on you know their their prince who wears out of his heads uh, every so often and and needs replacements, um, so perfectly straightforward it's, business transaction as far as the Nadras are concerned. But um, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite of like the face of Bo. Is all I was gonna say. Sure. Like. Like you, you know, that's, you just have a head with. Right. And nothing you know, but nobody. the head remains. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Everything. Yeah. Everything else goes. And whereas here it's like you just, just the body, although the body seems not to be able to remain on its own. It it does require a head, just doesn't have to be the same one. Right. Uh, apparently. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh. So. Yeah. Again, like in a way, like I mean, we we learn a little bit, kind of, but again, like no backstory, and even more so because like we don't like everything we get is translated through Lauren, who is sort of an unreliable narrator, translator. Yeah. Yeah, translator. Um. So we're not we're not really like I mean that's the other thing is like like you're not sure like we can say okay maybe maybe he did translate it right the first time around or or maybe not maybe maybe they were being disingenuous like maybe they were lying all along like there's no reason to think that they were necessarily telling the truth like maybe they were stating it in a way to make to sort of confuse him and right. make him second guess himself or whatever like there it, you know that's also a possibility um, right. but yeah again like pretty like pretty straightforward we kind of See and realize what's going on before Fred does. And, you know, um, I like their little computer animation of like Fred's head floating over to like. Yeah, they the kind of head. Photoshop it, 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 her head on just to make sure they like right. the, the
1: look first. Right. Does everyone face
0: get face what face. we're doing here? <laughs> we're going to take this head and we're going to put it on that head.
1: And is um, everybody everybody's pleased with? The aesthetic, like, <laughs> like it, it looks all right. We don't need to go, like, get a different head. Like, no, if this one looks yeah. good. All right.
0: Is it centered good. okay? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, and it is, it is funny stuff like that. Like, because it's all... This... Let me
0: explain to you my deep and evil plan in a PowerPoint presentation.
1: Right. Well, and, like, for the benefit of the audience, because we can't understand their language. So it's like, how do we communicate what they're doing without speech well they can have a little powerpoint presentation mm-hmm,
0: right. and <laughs> they, they're, they're going to use a little microsoft laptop right to show us right um,
1: which is uh yeah it's just pretty funny and then the one you know what i noticed on the second time is after, when they they put the head on and then there's the little like lines that draw like over <laughs> the neck like, <laughs> right. like like this little like squiggle to demonstrate, like, I guess, like, the stitches of how they're going to, you know, almost right. like kind of Frankenstein, like, this is, you're going to see the seam where it's sewn on. <laughs> um, but, like, somebody took the time to put in the little, you know, animated lines across her neck and everything. Sure. Um, sure. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, funny stuff. No, so, fun. um. So, yeah, so she solves the puzzle. They're satisfied. So, you know, no more discussion. They start kind of preparing her. And um, and Lauren's really not much help at all. Um, he at never that point, Not really, no. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Cordy comes in trying to be kind of the hero, although she's kind of, you know, on her yeah. own.
0: Yeah. So we didn't yeah and we didn't really talk about Cordy. Like she got stuck home with the baby, right? Like right, this right. is uh, uh sort of unwittingly as Angel and and the rest of them are off doing their thing. She right. um not like she seems to like Connor fine. Like I mean it's not that's not the issue. It's that like there's just no consideration given <laughs> to the fact that like hey, <laughs> you know why me? Just sort of, you know, get stuck with this. But also, like, so she has the vision of what's going to happen. Um, fortunately, her visions are no longer harmful to her. Um, she doesn't float this time, though. Does she? No, she she
1: tries. But
0: no, I know that. But I mean, like, when she's actually having the vision, like, no, I don't think she so. doesn't. No, she doesn't like float or anything that we see anyway. Um, but yeah, so she like it's like okay, I'm gonna go grab the baby and the money and like <clears throat> walk through the worst parts of L.A. down to the docks, like with fifty thousand dollars in cash and a baby on my arm. Like all right, like like that right. in and of, like forget facing like down demons like that in and of itself is like right. badass, you know? <laughs>
1: right, right. But you know, being Courty, she does it. You know?
0: Yeah. Um. Um. And then, yeah, like faces and and tries to, you know, convince them through Lauren's translations, uh, you know, to give up, you know, uh, Fred and and Lauren and and explain that it's just a big misunderstanding and, you know, give the money back, which you wonder how these particular demons, like, have $50,000. Like, wherever they're from, they probably don't need $50,000. Like, they probably only came to Earth with the purpose of finding someone to replace a head, and they're going to go back to whatever dimension they're from, mm-hmm. you know, to begin with. So, like, it like having the money back doesn't really do anything for them, you know. It's not, right? It's not the same motivation as, uh, you know, they ha- you know, that the humans have, um,
1: right? Um, but
0: yeah, that like that doesn't seem to go too well, because once again, Lauren mistranslates
1: <laughs> translates. He assumes some things and yeah. gets them into trouble. And by that point, you know, you also kind of get the translation aside. By that point, these guys are kind of committed to their plan. They're not really interested sure. in, uh, you know, making, you know, in in the the whole refund idea. Um, <clears throat> nope.
0: So you know, she all, all sales are final.
1: Right. So she tries to kind of kick one, uh, and uh, doesn't really do anything, but luckily by that point, you know, backup has arrived. And um, yeah, I like that there's the ongoing joke of Angel having cell phones that he doesn't know how to use, which is always you right, know, which is always <laughs> right. funny. He's
0: trying, to, he's trying to answer it, and it's the voicemail
1: instead of old man angel you know never really kind of figures out his devices <laughs> and everything um but sure. eventually he does and the others get you know do as well so of course you know the coming together is the sort of reminder of yeah probably we're better when we're all working together splitting up not usually you know a great idea um and uh so, yeah, all works out well. And Angel sort of learns his lesson, you know, that mm-hmm. uh, family and the mission are, you know, are the real priority. And and Cordy kind of smiles approvingly, you know, that that's kind of the message she was trying to get through to him. Um, but then, of course, with Cordy's permission, they get to keep the money, which they earned. Um, yeah. You know, and, well, and, and Cordy kind of. I like that it's her that is the voice of the mission, but also kind of gives the blessing to say, yeah, but we earn the money too. So like Cordy is and, this sort of voice of conscience now telling them what is right and good and allowed and everything.
0: And presumably <laughs> presumably, they did get paid for Allie. Right, right. Uh, you know, which it, which was probably a more normal fee, you know, more normal like... One-time fee or whatever that, but like right. yeah, like I mean this is the this is the argument for sort of the middle way, right? Like it's not that we should never get paid. It's not that you know we should always take sort of the pro bono cases. But you know there is that like this okay, like like killing some demons who we're gonna chop off Fred's head. Yeah, like we can take money from them. Like that's fine. There's no nothing really wrong with that because we We still I mean somebody would have been on that chopping block had it not been Fred right like that was that was right. the demon's purpose, so like ultimately they even if had hadn't been Fred, like maybe Cordy's vision would have been of someone else, so they still would have done that work. You might as well take the money for it, and let's face it, like yeah, it's fifty thousand dollars, but it's in l a split among five people, you know right. uh so. You know, well, six if you count Connor. So, right. you know, like, like that's, that's not even, you know, that's not going to last a real long time, you know, uh, right. even in L.A. So, or, or especially in L.A. So, you know, definitely, definitely shouldn't look at it, you know, as, you know, let's never get paid, but let's, you know, yeah. we'll work together and maybe take the one job that does pay, you know, that pays. And then we can do other jobs as they come up. Right. You know, that don't. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I mean, (laughs) I don't know that we, like, I'm okay if we don't spend a whole hour on this episode. I know we've got maybe one or two more things we want to talk about. Sure. But, um, you know, again, like all of, all of the individual lines are pretty basic. And I think, <clears throat> like you said, it's kind of that resolution the coming together at the end, which you know seems to be a lesson we have to learn at least three or four times a season um you know that uh, that really is kind of the point here um right. and right. and to make sure they're all you know on the same page that that the mission really is the number one priority, and then you know yes, we do need to uh you know maybe make some money sometimes oh and by the way. There's this Holtz guy that we have to keep tabs on.
1: Right. So, well, and quickly before we go on to Holtz, um, one other thing with the resolution is the the scene at the end with Angel and Cordy and Connor on oh, the yeah. bed looking like very much the little family unit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just you know, notice that after I feel like the last few episodes have sort of emphasized um the Cordy Angel relationship and you know, the kind of possibilities of what it could become. So,
0: um, well, and that's the other thing of provider Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, sort of leaving Cordy and Connor at home, you know, while Angel goes off to hunt the money down. Right. Right. He's the
1: breadwinner she's the homemaker now they've become very traditional.
0: Of course, of course she doesn't let it be that way. Right. (laughs) Like, like she doesn't accept that, right, you know, I mean she does kind of at first, but then right you know chooses right well, you
1: know. that's right, that's part of the lesson is that that doesn't
0: work right. um at least yeah. not for her <laughs> right, um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely very much a a family vibe going on there um for what that may mean. If anything.
1: Yep. <laughs> All right. Holtz. Mm. Um, who is uh, not a huge amount to say here, but, you know, still kind of... Uh... This... Oh, sorry. sorry no, 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 go
0: no. ahead. I was just... going. Mean, we get, like, Miyagi Holtz here. <laughs> like, right. this is, this is, you know, the maybe a maybe an extreme version but this is you know uh his version of paint the fence and wax the right. car
1: wax on wax off uh, um,
0: sit sit there with a the nail through your hand right
1: uh, right um right to test her commitment uh so yeah um what she 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 does she passes the test she kind of uh you know is angry at him and everything but uh but is obviously you know it's it's the test of the willpower, right? It's the thing of well, you can take it out and leave, but that's to that means you fail so um yeah. she kind of sticks it through and um you know, and says she'd rather feel something even if it's pain than feel nothing. so this is giving her working with him is giving her a kind of purpose, even if it's a angry purpose, at least she has feelings and is something you know is motivated by something um Mm -hmm. and they kind of allude to the fact that he's looking for other sort of proteges as well that he's out gonna maybe start recruiting other people like justine to sort of build you know a little army of you know vampire slayers or something um so
0: yeah um or at least Angel Slayers. Like, right, like right. there's really not a plan beyond that, right? It's, right. Yeah.
1: Right. So, yeah, that's kind of all we get of them, just a little sort of check-in. but. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So on to uh, BSG then. Yeah. So, uh, and, and this one actually, I feel like, I mean, we get a little bit of, other stuff but it's a pretty straightforward one as well yeah we get we get a a lee story here um early a lee focused story um yeah. so i guess to start off with sort of the the broad topics and and the situation and stuff um you know basically starts off in uh roslyn's office or whatever on uh, colonial one and um talking about or are they on or no they're on galactica aren't they but they're just talking with roslyn i guess yeah Um, i think so uh talking about sort of the trade policy and the fact that like they should you know yes supplies are tight but they shouldn't be so tight that they're getting you know reports of like people running out of medicine and food and whatever in all these places and so basically you know long story short there's a sort of black market forming and and not just it, like not just black market in like oh there's a place where like people are going to sort of trade these things illicitly kind of like you know uh, uh oh what's the in um Hunger Games, you know, in District 12, there's like the area there where they, oh, right. you know, everyone kind of like is is trading stuff and like the peacekeepers kind of just kind of you know, right. avert Look their the eyes, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever that kind of, or, and you know, maybe even participate here and there, but right. um, but this seems to be you know, more organized definitely uh, you know, they're contr- they're not just, it's not just like you know, a place where people happen to go to trade stuff, it's you know, someone's actively controlling the flow of goods and services. Well, at least goods to begin with. And then we learn later, there are services, certain services Mm -hmm. involved as well. Um, don't really know much about it other than it's happening. You know, Fisk sort of speaks up right away and we learn out why later, uh, that, that he'd be happy to hunt down the perpetrators if, uh, Rosalind wants him to, um, but basically, you know, just just sort of opening with this this idea that, you know, uh, this is happening, that that there needs to be a certain level of trade and that, you know, we need to make sure that things aren't getting restricted and that people are getting the medicine and food and, and whatnot that they need. Um, right. So of well, course so. sorry, go ahead.
1: Also too, um, was it just the last it was just the last one, right, that dealt with um, the kind of subversive, you know, Cylon supporter group. And so yeah, yeah. Yep. I feel like I feel like for these last two a greater emphasis on um, like the wider fleet, like sure. kind of looking Beyond just what is in the two battle stars now, but like what are the kinds of sentiments and activities are going on in the rest of you know uh the fleet and humanity and everything yeah. um
0: well and and <laughs> to be honest, we haven't really gotten much of the sort of civilian side of things, and right. i mean grant- granted the show is Battlestar Galactica, like you know right. it's you sort of have the military aspect right in the name. But at the same time, you know, there is a fleet of civilians there. There are more of them, more civilians, and there are soldiers. And, you know, it is worth looking at that. And, like, other other than, like, I feel like the only times where we've really gotten civilian-type stories is where is when it's, like, affecting, you know, the BSG as you know right like whatever like like you get like the whole storyline of like you know the voting uh you know the new quorum and like you know voting in Baltar and stuff but that's just kind of to make Baltar the vice president and you know a thorn in everyone's side like that that like you don't get the sense that like we're really looking hardcore at like The civilian democratic process here like you know (laughs) it's more about the outcome than the other stuff um and like that may that might even be true with these last two stories as well like we're getting military responses in both cases right you're getting um you know the response to the Cylon group uh (laughs) supporters uh you know from Adama and and kind of the unfavorability of of that um and here you're getting of course lee a sort of uh special prosecutor slash uh you know terminator guy like i don't know i'm what like all right we'll need to talk about that in a little bit but let's let's go back to uh you know the trade policy stuff so you 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 have um, coming out of Roslyn's meeting you have like Baltar and Fisk sort of chumming <clears throat> it up right and you get like Fisk alluding to the fact that he sent Baltar some cigars uh, which as far as we knew there were no more cigars right like didn't Baltar give Starbuck his last one or something uh, or, or
1: Adama gave Starbuck his last one oh but- Adama okay but it kind of implies that there's a shortage. And, yeah, there there yeah.
0: definitely seems to be very few, if any, left. And so, you know, the fact that like Fisk has some and is sending them the Baltar, kind of like a hint hint wink wink. Um and then of course we see Fisk goes back to Pegasus. He sort of is comfortable in his own room and uh yeah, he 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 goes the uh he goes well, he he's killed by the the guy who is really running the show, apparently. Right. Um and so you get uh you know, you get Lee sort of appointed by Adama as, you know, to, to investigate the murder and see what's going on. Um which, you know, he goes over and he does and of course, come to find that Fisk has a whole like trunk full of paraphernalia like and right. all of these items that people have bartered for whatever who who knows what um I mean we see pretty much anything anything that's available they're willing to barter for, whether it's you know food or medicine or cigars or. Services of some kind um, or other, and right. pretty much that includes anything you can think of it seems um, right and so uh, you know looking through the trunks and and you know they reference his logs and stuff, uh, you get the sense that uh, he's been doing this for a while, like that he's <clears throat> if not in control at least one of the uh he he certainly holds uh uh the toll booth say so to speak um and and had you know things passing through him until apparently he uh pissed off the big the big guy the guy who was really running things and so you get um you get the introduction of of Ph- Phelan, is it? Uh, I think how do you pronounce his name? That sounds right to me. Phelan, um, and so uh, <clears throat> yeah, so okay. He obviously he so he just sort of shows up out of the blue. So here's my question: like, I guess, I guess we're meant to think that, like maybe he's been building up his little empire Mm -hmm. ever since the fleet came together. Like Mm -hmm. you kind of get that impression. Um, But how does he get all the way? Like, I guess he's been to Fisk's office before, but my, but like, how does he get all the way there without anyone knowing it? And like realizing like, Oh, he must be the one who killed Fisk. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Right. It's it's well, seems... and I feel
1: like they're kind of loosey goosey about who can travel to what ships anyway. Um
0: <clears throat> Well, yeah, I mean so even going back to uh prisoner six, right? right like how did she you know, get off killing and, Cain. Yeah. Well and, and and I mean I assume that like Baltar helps her somehow, but like how does a well known, you know, Cylon like make it through all those to the captain's court, you know, to the uh, uh, Admiral's quarters and you know, not get stopped, you know, to the point where that she can, with a weapon, be hiding in the quarters. Right. Like, like, just seems, especially on, like, Kane's ship, where things are supposedly so tight, whatever. So, you know, but similarly, like, how, you know, this guy, this guy's ship had to have landed mm-hmm. you know, on mm-hmm. the Battlestar, like presumably was logged. Presumably anyone who came on or off the ship was logged. <laughs> like yeah. unless there's some serious breaches of protocol, which okay, black market kingpin, maybe he'd bribed some people. But after the, the ad the not the admiral, the commander gets killed, mm-hmm. you'd think someone might step forward and say, Alright like I think I might know who did it, no, right, nothing right, so I don't know, maybe I'm well, just making all now these they they
1: make the a reference to which I never noticed before to his ship, the Prometheus, the kind of black market uh yeah. kind of that kind of marketplace ship that he has being like off the grid, which like I don't even know what that means in the context of the fleet, so like there's this ship traveling with them that they don't know exists or they lost it and didn't realize it or right. like, well, um, yeah. never really quite make that sort of clear.
0: And and I'll um, have to go back cause I don't remember <laughs> that reference, but I mean, yeah.
1: And I just noticed it this time I've seen the episode before, but
0: um, yeah, because like they can clearly like they can detect ships and if ship doesn't have like, Adratus. Right. Like how can you they would know that? Yeah. Yeah. Like what does off the grid mean in the context of you know, a space (sighs) fleet? (coughs) Right. Where literally you have to be connected to like otherwise, how do they like how have they traveled with the fleet and gone through all the different jumps?
1: Right. Or had clearly there are many uh supply runs going back and forth between this ship and other right. ships. Right. So you can't do that if you don't know it's there.
0: Um, right. Just sort of logistically you need to be able to <coughs> right control that.
1: Right. So it's it's a little weird. Um Yeah, and however you say his name, Phelan, or whatever it is. Um Mm-hmm. It's just something not that compelling about him. I think he talks too quietly. He's like trying to do a Marlon Brando or something. Just bugs me.
0: Oh, the like, actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: like it's just it's this very for me very cliche kind of mob boss kind of like, you know, if I talk really softly, that makes me extra scary. Um and it just you know kinda doesn't Come across that sort of compelling to me, um, but anyway.
0: Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so where were we? Uh, so clearly, you have Fisk who's who's involved in all this stuff. Yeah. So I, I was just I was just wondering out loud and and maybe sort of criticizing a bit the idea that. Phelan and his lackey could get all the way to Fisk, Fisk's uh, room, you know, without being seen or noticed or whatever. but you know again, like maybe the people were bribed or whatever. like somehow they did it. They kill Fisk. Uh, Lee gets sent over to uh, you know investigate, and, and that starts things in motion. Um, I want, you know so you get Lee, so uh, you know a few, few, sort of the next dominoes that fall. Then are you know Lee goes back and tells Adama and Roslyn and sort of gets appointed. You know further, like this is like till now it's sort of internal military, right? But once once they find out about the ships that have been coming on and the black market stuff, you know, it becomes broader, right? And so Roslin sort of appoints him as, like, <clears throat> special investigator for the fleet, not just, you know, it's no longer just a military operation, right? It's a civilian thing as well. Um. So we didn't talk about Lee uh, initially where, where we first see him in this episode, which is, in the bed of some woman we've never met before. Right. Um, and, you know, we, we're not too sure how long ago he actually met her either. Uh, <clears throat> who appears to be, um, in in the parlance of Firefly, a companion. Right. Uh, you know, the... Firefly,
1: he, not Dr. Hill. Fi-
0: right. Firefly companion, not a Dr. Hill companion. Right. Um... Did I say Doctor Who?
1: No. No, I said no, Firefly. Right? I'm okay, I'm like,
0: like now I'm like, wait a minute, did I say the wrong thing? Did <laughs> no, say- I'm just
1: the irony of that term is um, um just oh, struck sure. me again.
0: Sure. Um, uh, yeah, so um Siobhan, uh who we're we're choosing to spell her name the the Gaelic way. Uh, the cool way. And uh she has a little daughter, uh, Paya. Uh, and uh, yeah, he, he seems to be Lee, the special prosecutor in charge of black market activities, seems to be finding some sort of solace <laughs> in the arms of a... You know, it's not entirely clear if like companionship is legal or not? Like, you get the sense that, like, there's, like, maybe, like, it's right. kind of like, Las, maybe like Las Vegas, like, it's it's legal in places, but maybe not everywhere kind of thing.
1: Right. Um, I, Zarek
0: says it is legal.
1: Oh, but, he does. Okay. But I get more of a sense of it being more of a taboo than in something like Firefly.
0: Um, sure. You
1: know, and she seems even if it is legal, she seems closer Siobhan seems closer to our uh you know, at least in well movies, our kind of typical like prostitute than she does to, you know, the firefly companion, which is more like like a geisha. Like it's a whole it's a right, whole right. art it's that a they learn. Yeah. It's so like she's highly educated and, 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 and like very refined
0: like, and You know, you register and are certified and, you know, have like you go to school to, (laughs) you know, learn how to do it. Right. Um, This
1: is not that. This is this is single mother who needs medicine for her sick kid and will do what it takes to get her what she needs. Um, Actually, they didn't even think about that as cross between episodes of these parents trying to provide for their children. Um, sure, but um, but that seems more so. Even if what she's doing isn't illegal, it is, I think, viewed as kind of well shady and not exactly respectable.
0: Um, right, right, right. And the other aspect of it too is that that you <laughs> get the sense that Phelan is like, while it might be legal, you know. Uh, as a profession, that he's sort of running it more as a racket, like that. That there's something like he's, he's sort of. He's running it as a, a, you know, more of like a, a a, well, a pimp. Right, (laughs) he's a pimp. Yeah. Uh, Basically, then, you know, then so maybe like, maybe it's like theoretically legal, but the way that he's doing it probably is not like. Within whatever codification that they have in in the you know uh, right like you definitely of of the colonies <laughs> right you
1: definitely maybe there's a difference between like the the prostitution of a transaction between two people like Siobhan and Lee versus like Phelan as more of like a trafficker of people yeah you know right like exactly and you definitely have I mean, his girls which. And, and especially work, when you... But also, like, they are indebted to him right? Be, as as the pimp, you know?
0: You know, and, and, and you get that sense even more, you know, sadly, when you see, like, Paya and the other children locked right. up. Like, that there's, you know, they don't say what's going on there, but they certainly allude to right. there being something even more nefarious with that, mm-hmm. so... I mean, yeah, like, again, like, you know, maybe between consenting adults as a as a one to one sort of, you know, trade in money and services like it might be legal but frowned upon, you know, like you said. But yeah, like the way that it's it's like the way that he just like just like trading, you know, like giving someone money for their used, you know, bracelet. There's nothing wrong with that, but when you do it in a way that's, you know, at the same time restricting medication and food from getting to certain people to the point where they're at risk of dying, like, then there's something severely morally, if not possibly legally as well, you know, wrong with that. Um, So. Yeah.
1: Um, And while we're kind of still talking about that too, I want to bring up something that we started to talk about before we were recording, um, which I was trying to get at with the title that we chose about, uh, you know, it's not all good deeds and happy endings that, um, that you get Lee as, and you kind of mentioned the irony of Lee gets put as the investigator into the black market. And lo and behold, we see he's, you know, uh, you know, partaking of black market services in his own way. Um, but just the fact that he's the kind Which of Which is the
0: point that Ty kinda makes. Right. Right.
1: <clears throat> right. Is we were all sort of, you know
0: uh, yeah.
1: hypocrites in this together, so don't sort of point at me right. kind of thing. Right. Um the- and I guess that's one of the ironies of, you know, and Lee's kind of response to that, you know, is interesting as, you know, that it doesn't, okay, you can use that as a defense, but that doesn't mean that you're right. It just means that we're both wrong. Um, And so mm-hmm. there's this weird tension of, you know, Lee so far I think has been very much like a vo- of one of the voices of kind of moral center, you know, like he's sort of
0: mm-hmm.
1: trying to keep, this mediator between Rosalind and Adama and keep them, everybody on the straight and narrow. Um, But he doesn't always necessarily make the most morally, you know, straight choices himself, you know? Um, And he kind of might even realize that they're not great choices, but, you know, doesn't always stop him from doing it. So it's kind of interesting to have, you know, uh, the kind of, at this point, I think really the only kind of candidate for like, I don't know if he's quite like a romantic lead, but like the the kind of young, you know, guy, alpha male type, handsome lead character, Um, you know, having him like you know be with something that is maybe not illegal in his world but at least is something that is frowned upon and illegal in ours um
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and his complicated relationship with it that like you know like she asks him for more money and he kind of awkwardly gives it to her so he kind of he knows it's a business thing
0: mm-hmm. but
1: um but you also get the sense that it's like he's weirdly trying to like have like a real family relationship in a way that's like troublesome to her. Like he's coming on a little strong with like, you know, like the the fact that he like stays overnight when she kind of probably didn't really invite him or want him to. She has to kind of charge him extra for that. Um, He brings gifts to Paya and tries to sort of Get in her good graces, and she's a little, you know, wary of him and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And you just get the sense of kind of like a clinginess of like him trying to have this meaningful, real relationship with somebody who is, you know, looking at this as a means to an end. This is sure. This is a business. This is what I'm doing to get by. Um, so. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether it all works totally, but I I guess I like the fact that they're at least... That they try to kind of... I admire the fact that Lee could just be the kind of boring moral center of the show, and it's not. You know? like It's sort of like, well, we'll have him do things that we won't always approve of or that are kind of weird or uh a little unhealthy and you know uh anyway
0: yeah i mean the other question is at what point did he start this practice of seeking siobhan's company right Right. so like is this before or after the blackbird incident you know uh you do get the sense that it's been going on a little while, but we just don't know what that little while is
1: right
0: um so and I mean, it's not always clear how how long they you know how long how much time passes between yeah. episodes i guess I guess they do have the day countdowns somewhere, so like maybe we could find that out, but um. Even if we had that, we still wouldn't necessarily know how long Lee has been seeing Siobhan, and you know doing this. Um, Yeah. Uh, So okay, so back to so working our way through the storyline. Then so Lee becomes the special prosecutor. You know, uh, he sort of encounters Ty when he finds Ellen's bracelet with you know in fist stuff so of course you know there's like (laughs) i mean i remember i i remember this episode pretty well from even back the first time when i watched the series um and you know it's a pretty memorable episode i think but i didn't remember that part with the the bracelet and so when i was watching it for the first time again here i'm like so wait does that mean Ellen was like going to Pegasus and like trading the bracelet directly with Fisk herself. And like, what else did she trade? Right. (laughs) You know, like there, there's certainly, you know, if we're talking, you know, trades and services as well as goods, you know, Ellen's not necessarily known for her, uh, you know, uh, she She may be very willing to trade more things than Ty would want her to uh you know right with various people um <clears throat> but it but it turns out, and you know I guess we don't know i I sort of take it as face value that Ty says he's the one who traded the bracelet, but mm-hmm. that may not be true either like it wouldn't right. be the first time that he covered for Ellen right sort of inexplicably. Uh, you know, when it right. doesn't even make sense for him to do so, um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know that there's a ton there, but you know, the, he he brings up similar points about you know, uh, uh, Lee sort of having a plank in his own eye,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and yeah, I mean, we would expect it of Ty, like, we already we've already seen Ty stealing booze from the still in the you know uh, uh in the deck there so you well, know and it, we've
1: seen ty and ellen uh have a steady supply of liquor long past the point that they should
0: have run right, right. out. so right. it's like well he's how, yeah how many somewhere. times have how many times <laughs> have you seen ty drink the last the last drags of his you know, bottle yeah uh Right, and, like back in the miniseries, series, he was be... down
1: to like three fingers, and now like it's like however many months later, um
0: right um, yeah, so
1: he's getting and, it from somewhere, so we probably could have guessed that way back when, even before we realized the black market was such an organized sort of
0: short sure. operation well, um, and that's what I was going to say, like like i mean we we even knew that um when uh when Tyrrell was building the Blackbird. He he said he had to trade. That's the whole reason for the still was that he was trading booze for parts. You know, so like it's not it's not a surprise that some sort of black market exists, which I think is where we sort of get to in the end, right? right. Is if we want to skip ahead a moment, you know, is is Lee saying like there there's gonna be something. It's better it's better it's better to have a black market that we know about than one we don't know about, which is kind of where this all started. Like it got out of hand because no one knew about it and was keeping an eye on it and ended up with a high ranking military member first being involved and then second getting killed due to his involvement. And so, you know, it's not a surprise necessarily that people are going to trade stuff and they're going to do it in underhanded ways if they feel they need to, you know, and there's always going to be, you know, that possibility, no matter how strict you are with it or whatever. Um, But this is, this is the extreme, right? This is the, you know, this is someone trying, it's not just a black market, but it's (laughs) someone who has a corner on the black market and is actively interfering with the lives and livelihoods of you know, other people, um, for his own, whatever self-aggrandizement or whatever, right? Um. So yeah, so Lee goes back to Cloud Nine, uh, to investigate. Um, oh
1: wait, first is it D first?
0: You're right. You're right. After he after he talks to Ty, he does. He is. He's sort of like punching it out. You know, on in the weight room there, uh, and D comes in, and you know we had seen before that uh, you know their sort of practice <coughs> sessions uh, were getting a little too physical, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so D comes in, asks, you know, oh, where were you? And and of course, so this is the the contrast, right? Of uh, his relationship with Siobhan uh, mm-hmm. is that D who actually seems to be having some genuine feelings for him and and he seemed to for her as well, um, at least from an external perspective. And mm-hmm. so, you know, she, of course, is wondering where he is and and brings up the fact that like, hey, it seemed like there was something here uh when you know he he says no there actually isn't you know whether whether that's true or not is a different issue mm. perhaps but um yeah he sort of denies it and and is all like well i don't know what you want me to say <clears throat> and you know so again like you have this this opportunity where you know you have someone who actually is willing to be in a decent relationship with you and you choose not to do that. Um, right. And which you get is, the it
1: kind of goes along with the flashbacks that we see of, you know, yeah. this, this relationship that he had before, you know, the, the and I, attack and everything that like, is yeah. this, a, are we supposed to understand that this is a pattern with Lee of like, you know, chasing after the ones who aren't interested and kind of, you know, losing interest or rejecting the ones who express interest um
0: yeah and and i do like (laughs) i mean i I get what they're doing with the flashbacks i can't say that they're i don't know that they're my favorite parts of the episode like they just seem kind of like stuck in there and yeah you know okay uh
1: yeah especially like Siobhan narrating it at the end is like especially awkward. Of like, she yeah. wanted a child and you rejected her. And it's like, give me a break. Like, you right. could totally and this is... do this with just a lot more implied and without kind of yeah. exposition telling us Lee's trauma, you know?
0: Right. Um, and it's like, or like it even would have been better if it had been like Lee telling her in, like, actual pillow talk rather than just like her sort of spouting it because, right. like, that's the only Let way me she would tell you your known. own
1: history that you right. already
0: know, yeah, right, right, right. So, anyway, um, so yeah, so he rejects the uh, says he doesn't, I mean, doesn't outright reject her, but is just like, I don't know what you want to say, uh, heads back to Cloud Nine tries to uh convince Siobhan you know to uh well he 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 go he gets a I guess he gets a call from her or something right uh for some reason he goes to her apartment (laughs) um sees that she was beat up uh and tries to convince her to leave with him uh and she she's not really having it. Um, doesn't seem well. I I mean, she kind of seems to want to maybe, but then like is sort of resistant. And then like suddenly, like two guys come in. There's a fight. Phelan comes in and sort of gives his little speech. Mm-hmm. Uh So you know, we learn that he's. And I don't remember exactly if we learn all of this, you know, at this point or if it's, it's later when Lee confronts him, but basically long story short is he's, you know, uh, the, I mean, we already knew he was leader of the black market because we saw him with this, but, but that his, that he's sort of like an ex mercenary guy, his father, you know, was sort of a, uh, military man, just like, uh you know admiral adama and uh this is sort of like on the one hand he sort of knows all the military stuff and you know the mercenary stuff but like on the other hand he's sort of like rejecting it and just doing whatever the heck he wants kind Mm -hmm. of thing um so again like You know, we can imagine that like Phelan has built up his stuff over time, which is all Mm -hmm. fine. Um, But I don't, I don't, I don't get, I don't get his long game. Mm -hmm. Like, like, does he really think that, that he, like, does he think he's going to be able to, control like the entire fleet somehow or like like he says like I just don't care but like that doesn't make sense like this doesn't it doesn't seem like the actions of a rational person who's actually built a criminal empire you know what I mean like like to just like kill a high ranking military member and then like almost do the same but then like semi-frame him by leaving a body with a bullet in the head in the same room and i don't know i just it's kind of it's kind of bizarre to me the way that that
1: well and even like i don't really understand what the point of leaving like the coin in fisk's mouth was like i don't know like what is he the joker like you don't need like a calling card like right like i don't all it did was lead them exactly where it was meant to, which is to the people who did it yeah. and to the black market. And, like, it, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I don't, I don't know that I.
1: Well, and you're right that, like, someone who doesn't care about stuff is not right. motivated so, <laughs> in this way. You here's know?
0: what, here's what it reminds me of. <clears throat> I have at least one friend someone i know anyway who i wouldn't go so far as to call him who who i'm connected to on social media Uh who uh she posts like every day and she's not the only person who does this but she's the one who i notice doing it more often than others so whether that's true or not it you know (laughs) objectively be true but i just it comes across my eyes more than others yeah and like she posts every day about how uh she's over things and moving forward and what and it's just like and like how much she doesn't care about the particular person whom everyone knows the posts are aimed at, but right. I would be surprised if that person actually ever saw them because. They're probably not even like friends or followers of each other on social media. So right. it's just like one of those things where it's like, if you're trying so hard to convince yourself that it's over, then it's, then it's not over for you. Like, right. like if you're do if you're putting that much time and effort <clears throat> in, into trying to convince other people that you've moved on, you haven't moved on. Right. Like that's the very fact of moving on means that you don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, like, there is a sense in which Phelan is like that. Like, he's, like, he, he's, like, he he's, like, the, a he's, like, too much. he's the jilted ex <laughs> who insists that he's fine and moving forward with his life. When, in fact, he's not, like. Right. Because he could have just, like, if he was really in that much control, he could have just cut off Fisk and and not let him be, you know part of the the market anymore and then you know what will be will be and fisk may or may not come back to him or whatever i mean same thing with you know lee like by sort of bragging about how little he cares about you know lee and his father and the military stuff like like what's really the purpose of doing that like right I don't know. You do seem to care, because like if if you didn't care, then you wouldn't even bother saying. It. So sure. I don't know. There's there's a lot there that I'm just kind of eh about in Phelan's character. Sure. Um. You know. He doesn't kill Lee. He kind of gives them an out. Well, this is the other thing, right? So why not just kill Lee? Like, wh- like if you really don't care, like what you know, Adama does or says or whatever, then just kill the son. Kill the kill the person looking into it and make his body disappear. Like you're in control there. You know, it's it's your goons who are in the room. Uh, Siobhan is apparently his in some fashion, and. You know, why not just take Lee and get rid of him and, and then he's not a nuisance? If, if you're not going to do that, then the only reason that I can think of is that you do care what the repercussions would be. Right. Which is, you know, that Adama would tear the fleet apart looking for you. Um right. And well, in that and instance, it's like, you know, you... Yeah, anyway. He, yeah, sorry. He
1: makes one... He says one line about, like feeling like Lee is someone who can be reasoned with, which ends up to be true in the end. Like, Lee actually does see a value in having... and allowing some version of a black market to exist and to continue. So he is able to, like, stride the fence in that sense. But again, the only reason you need a negotiator is because you've gone out of your way to make yourself a nuisance anyway. So, right. like... It's not like you're making a fuss so that Lee will come negotiate with you. It's like Lee is only here because you've been doing stupid things to get yourselves noticed. Um so well
0: and and he's completely <clears throat> unwilling to negotiate. Right. Ultimately. Like Right. He has he has no there's nothing that Lee offers. That he's willing to take. So that's right. not a negotiation. Right. At that point. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I mean. I don't necessarily dislike this episode. And like I think it raises some interesting points. But like. That, the character of Phelan. I definitely. Like I don't. I just feel like maybe. I feel like maybe the writers took him. You know they wanted to like portray this like strong guy, but instead they sort of relied on stereotypes and and yeah. you know sort of weak uh potential explanations rather than actually- like the whole like you know laissez faire i don't care you know attitude right. that just doesn't doesn't <laughs> pan out when you actually look. At the character and what he does and says, um,
1: right, well, and maybe I should mention at this point too that um I, I my impression is that this is one of, if not the most kind of hated episode of Battlestar that like oh really when I've seen uh lists you know of like ranked lists, this one is always down at the very bottom um like if you I did a little Google search just now and uh, Nerdist put it on a a list of of worst of the best. So of the best shows, what are the worst episodes? Um, gotcha. And then io9 did an article saying this episode is the shame of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> um, and, you know, without doing a huge amount of reading about it, 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 it kind of seems like it's for that reason. It's like, it, it's a lot of cliches and you know relying on like and maybe this was maybe this was pressure from the studio I'm not sure of trying to make it more of the kind of procedural episode of the week where like alright this week is gonna be like the the mob episode and you have to have like Lee goes on an investigation and does this and it just doesn't I th- I think this episode kind of shows, for me anyway, that like, I think that Battlestar is better and more interesting when it deals with the great ensemble that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it does kind of feel like, I mean, of course I wish they were better written characters to begin with, but it's hard to invest so much in like Phelan and Siobhan when they're episode characters we see one time whereas like you have like 15 other regular cast members that i wish we got to spend time with you know um which is kind of a shame because i feel like that kind of automatically hamstrings the episodes that try to be about the fleet Mm -hmm. like any episode that tries to go out and deal with civilians inevitably is I'm kind of like looking <laughs> at my watch when wondering, you know, when are we going to get back to the battle star? Um, and maybe there are better ways to do that and we can kind of keep an eye out for do any future episodes do that more successfully, but, um, mm, sure. but I don't think this one does. Um, so yeah, and like you, I, there are things I like about it. Like, even though Emo Lee is far from my favorite character, I I like the idea. Well, he is. I no, like I, the, I, I like, don't
0: disagree with it. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I, I
1: like, I just like the notion that they take their kind of young hero and kind of drag him down a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Just the fact that they do that at all, you know, is, I think, brave, whether or not they totally pull it off. Um, So, uh, you know, so there's kind of ideas about it that I like, even if the execution is kind of lacking.
0: All right. So on that note... um... Lee figures out, you know, where all this is going down on Prometheus. His investigation (laughs) leaves him there. Uh, He has a confrontation. You get Phelan saying, you know, sort of his uh, uh, Jack Nicholson moment of, you know, you need me in this black market. You want me in this black market. Um, You know, and, and Lee, you know, Quickly disables one of the guards, you know, holding a gun to his head, and then threatens Phelan with it. Phelan doesn't—he doesn't think that Lee has the uh, testicular fortitude to, you know, pull the trigger, and uh, Lee proves him wrong and kills him. And and so, which is. You know, and in you're talking about how Lee actually is a rational person, and and you know is willing to negotiate. Like I think I think it then in that moment is he's sort of reflecting <clears throat> Phelan's unwillingness to negotiate, right? Like it's that it's the realization, it's it's that very rationality, I guess, that Lee is recognizing that Phelan's never gonna, you know, be someone who can lead a reason. Phelan will never run a respectable black market, right? Like he'll, he'll only run (laughs) one that's, that goes over the top and, and, you know, takes things a step too far. Like, okay, fine. If you want to be pimp to, you know, some escorts, that's one thing. But like when you start bringing children into it, that's another thing. When you start, you know, withholding medicine from people, that's, a bad thing you know when you start you know holding off food supplies and and not actually putting them mm-hmm. on the market but waiting until like prices get so drastic that people either can't afford them or start dying or start rioting or whatever you know result might happen then then that's too far as well and so uh he then probably turned so <laughs> this Actually, so more Firefly references, <laughs> right? Um, you know, the um, the first episode with Niska, uh, mm-hmm. uh, is it, uh, oh, it's a train job, right? Where um, Mal steals medicine, you know, well, Mal and team steal medicine, right? From the, the town of miners who are sick. And once okay. he realizes that, he returns it and, you know, says to... You know the the guy that Niska had sent, you know, to make sure that they did their job. Uh, you know, says, "Well, you're going to go back and tell him that we're that we're done. I'll return the money," and he he refuses, you know, to do that. And so, you know, Mal pushes him into like the the spaceship engine, and second guy comes up and he's like, "Oh yeah, <clears throat> yep, we're on the same right. page, very cooperative, like, like yeah. very, yeah. very much get, picking up what you're putting down." I got gotcha. you, and so uh, so this is this is you know Phelan's lackeys, right? They're like, oh yeah, we we okay, yeah. no kids, you got it, you know, no, you know, make sure the medicines get through, you got it. Everything else, you know, we'll we'll take care of, but right, you know, we'll we'll make sure those things happen. Um, which you know, <clears throat> is fine. Like like I actually do like the way it resolves. Like I I think there is a practicality there and like, and like, I think if anything, Lee is the great moderator, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's, you know, like you said, he's sort of the, the one who goes between Rosalind and Adama and, you know, we'll, we'll continue to see him, you know, excuse me, be that sort of uh, uh you know, a presence or whatever, but you know, he's not, there's you know like he says at the end like there's no point in shutting it down completely or trying to suppress it because it, it's gonna happen right and so you know <laughs> it, it's like the whole thing of like you know you let your kids hang out at your house because at least you know what's going on when they do that but like sure you can bring in 10 of your friends and play in you know, the basement, that's fine. Because then I know what's going on because you're under my roof. <laughs> right. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and there's, you know, there's a practicality to that. And not that Rosalind likes it, but she also can't really do anything about it. Mm-hmm. But like, clearly, like that's the whole reason why Lee was given the job in the first place is because there there is no civilian police and, you know, they don't, the civilian government doesn't really have that capacity. So she just kind of has to shrug and and deal with Lee's decision. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Um, Yeah,
1: and it it kind of reminded me, too, of um, the resolution of uh, Bastille Day the first Zarek episode, you know, which kind of had a similar thing of Lee go in here and, you know, be negotiator for us. And then he comes back with a deal that pisses them off. (laughs) Right. You know, I mean, even though Adama backs him here, like there's still this sense of Lee deviated from the appointed plan. He was supposed to get in there and, you know,
0: Right, white. Toe it out. the
1: line and, as as Adar said to Roslyn. But much like Roslyn, he goes <laughs> in and does a better job of negotiating than she had intended him isn't to. It, um, isn't
0: it always funny how it's perfectly fine to, you know, yeah. resist and ignore <laughs> orders when it's yourself, but yeah. when it's other people, it's well,
1: and again, there's still that sense of like parent relationship there of like do as I say, not as I do. You know, like yeah. Roslin was a rebel to, you know, her president, but now that she's the president, she gets to be, you know, the hardline one and now can grumble when all of her kids go around and disobey her orders. Um, mm-hmm. And she expects them to be obedient in a way that she never was. Um, right. So, which kind of shows how alike they are, I think. Um, yeah. But, uh yeah
0: yeah so I don't I mean I don't we don't need to drag this one out either because like I I feel like we've talked through it probably more than we even needed to um but yeah I don't unless there's any final Um, things that you had to talk about the
1: the only other thing I did want to hit really quick because it's not quite on that topic is um the short little scene with Baltar and Rosalyn um oh sure where uh you know she (laughs) she makes a tactical error (laughs) you know She kind of comes in to have tea and thank him for what he's done and gently suggest that he resign. Um, You know, because it's like, well, shoot, back when... So here's how things happen, right? She's president. Mm
0: -hmm. She
1: thinks she's going to die. So who is vice president is critically important because they're going to take over from her, right? Like in the near future. So... To avoid a Zarek presidency, she manipulates things so that Baltar gets the vice presidency, right? Right. Now she's cured. She doesn't (laughs) need to worry about dying and and the line of succession. So first item on the agenda is to get rid of Baltar because he's an annoying, useless vice president. Sure. But of course, she doesn't account for his ego and the fact that she's already offended him with her, you know, with her note that she left.
0: Right, right. (laughs)
1: Um, So her suggestion comes across as the insult it secretly is. Um, You know, he picks up on the fact that this is because she just doesn't like him. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Baltar being the kind of occasionally Trump-like figure that he is, of course that motivates him You know, he had no, he was never going to want to be president until someone told him he can't be president. And then that's like the only thing he ever wants in his life now is to be president. So she went from having this kind of, you know, useless vice president who couldn't have cared less about any of it to somebody who now is kind of actually motivated to beat her um, and to you know and, and to be involved in a way that he wasn't before so i just think it's an interesting little you know a little interesting little political you know skit that plays out there and probably i think reflects the way that the power influences a lot of people's campaigns in real life like yeah, just the, how probably. the idea the idea of winning is more relevant than what you actually plan to do once you win. Like that's—is that really the goal, or is it just you know the winning itself?
0: So um, the other thing is to uh, like just thinking back to her own response to when Adar wanted her to resign. Like right. again, right. like there's there's another parallel yeah. there. Yeah so
1: yeah
0: you know. Yeah know yep so yeah so kind of in that way like like you get rosalyn right Ro, yeah Ro, uh, rosalyn is really disappointed in this episode like pretty much at every right. turn right like
1: and yet all kind people, of at her
0: own fault like kind of right
1: her own fault because pushing these things that weren't going to go in any particular direction until she started pushing. And so she kind of created crisis where there was none and then disappointed at people acting in ways that she absolutely would act where she and her wish if she were in their position, you know, this is totally, she would do the exact same thing, but you know, obviously when you're, when you're the one in power, um, it, uh, you don't appreciate that kind of, rebellion quite so much
0: well she'll have to appreciate it sooner or later I guess yep so alright <laughs> so I think we're good though uh, and so but next week we're, we're back to a Buffy episode uh, double meat palace um, and uh, we'll be uh, talking about some more BSG Sounds good. See you then.